I know we can't all be together in the room right now, and it just keeps reminding me that the church is primarily the people, not the facility. And as we gather together in this way, thank you for taking time. Thank you. Uh, we feel honored that you would join us, whether it's just on your phone or it's at home with family and friends, uh, but we're together. And we want to be the church, not just come to church. We want to live it out right now. And we can't gather the same way, but we are scattered all around the sound and, and far beyond that. And as we do that, you know, this word keeps coming to me this week, and the word is pivot. And I think back to my basketball days, you know, when you, when you pick up the ball, then you start to do this, and you have a little more mobility, and you move around, but you pivot. And I feel like what we're doing right now is trying to abide with Jesus, listen to God, and just pivot as he leads us. And I'm seeing and I'm encouraged. There's so many good stories. I'm excited when I hear there's people in our church in their 70s who some of them have never even gone online, but they're going on Zoom and they're having Bible studies and life groups together and connecting. I see it with kids also, uh, people sharing lunch together through Facebook Live and, uh, or even FaceTime. And, and just a number of things are happening. Families are connecting with more time together at home in a simple lifestyle. There's deeper sharing. There's uh, times of prayer. I think we're all feeling our need to pray and rely on the Lord. And you've been joining us, uh, Pastor Mark mentioned, Facebook Live, uh, Monday through Friday at 7 o'clock, and that goes on YouTube as well. And so we're getting creative. The most important thing in all this is let's stay connected. Let's keep walking together and then loving our neighbors and looking outward as well. Uh, this is such a unique time, and none of us have been through this before, but it's not a time to get discouraged. And the three words that I keep coming back to as well, besides pivot, are calm, compassion, and courage. That combination right now, I mean, for the last week, uh, different times, and I see my need for those because in a situation like this, all of us have those feelings of getting stressed, getting discouraged, feeling isolated, feeling overwhelmed, and it's okay to have those feelings, but we don't want to stay there. We want to keep moving forward. And as we do that, God leads us into that calmness, that great compassion so we wouldn't be selfish at this time, and it takes courage. And uh, let's pray for those things right now in greater measure. Father God, we thank you that you are alive, and we praise you. You are the living God who we worship and trust. Jesus, we follow you. We thank you that you are risen from the grave, that you walked on water, that you calmed the storm. And God, we are in a storm right now, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you, and we pray today right now God, for anyone who's feeling especially down and alone and stressed out, you would bring that calmness right now, Jesus. You would stir up. There would be a swelling of compassion in our hearts for the people around us. And God, we would act in courage, united together. And Lord, I pray that you would do amazing things this week. And we pray this confidently because we know not only that you're with us, but you to go before us and we will walk in faith together. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. One of the most prominent characteristics in Jesus' life is courage. He lives it, he displays it, and here's good news, he continues to pass it on to us. And we need his courage daily. We need his courage in times like this. When there's a crisis, we don't have to crumble, but we go to Jesus and we receive his courage. And we're all journeying together. None of us 
wants to go alone. We'll journey together. We'll walk through this together. We'll stay connected. And we see in our passage today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, that Paul, Timothy, and Silas, they're literally journeying together. They're doing life together. They're on mission just like we're on mission. And we want to dive into this passage and really highlight four truths about courage. Four truths about the courage of Jesus, and they stand out in this passage. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I encourage you on your phone to check out the scripture, to get into the scripture, stay in the Bible during the week, or maybe you want to open up. You've got a hard copy like me, and you want to open it up and read it. I challenge you to send someone a Bible. You know, you might not be able to spend time with someone, but buy a study Bible this week and send it to them as a gift. Because God's word is the food we need right now. It's nourishment for the souls. We can be built up spiritually, and it comes from spending time in God's word. And that's our joy together, to get into God's word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. And the first uh, piece of truth around courage is this. Overcoming pain requires courage. Overcoming pain, we're going to need God's courage to do that. The journey that Paul has been on in many different cities, it included Philippi. Philippi was 100 miles away, and now he's made it to the Thessalonians. That 100-mile journey, and he's looking back, and he's reflecting, and he says, you know, I've suffered. I suffered in Philippi. This suffering included insults. It included imprisonment. He was beaten. And uh, one time after another, you read these journeys, and Paul is mistreated. There's injustice. There's cruelty. He's physically beat up attacked on many levels and he realizes he was suffered he knows this but he keeps on going you might be suffering right now but keep on going keep on moving forward don't get stuck in the valley of the shadow of death but we know God leads us through the valley of the shadow of death so he continues to go from Philippi to the Thessalonians and he brings the gospel he brings hope he brings good news but then there's the critics who say well that visit was a failure that visit's a failure. Maybe you've done something and it was significant, but then someone else has a different perspective and tries to slam you and throw shade on you. But you know, as that happens for Paul, he's not going to carry bitterness. And I encourage you today, forgive fully and don't carry any bitterness. Travel light. I'm surprised a lot of people, they carry resentment from a week ago, from a month ago, from years ago, and you hear it in their voice and you hear it in their tone. They're still carrying bitterness. That's not how Paul travels. He keeps going and it's without resentment. And now he's writing a letter, a real letter to real people. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He loves these people and he keeps going as now he's going to write to them. And notice the phrase, with the help of our God. That's the key to courage. Reliance leads to courage. Independence from God, our courage dissipates. But when we rely on the Lord, he says, with the help of our God, he's not ashamed in any way to say he is relying on God. And that leads to courage. I heard a story from someone in our church this week, and I'm going to give him the name Bill to protect anonymity because I didn't ask him you know, if I could share his name. Uh, Bill was on a trip going down to Vancouver, Washington. He was meeting someone for lunch, 
And on his way down there, he stopped in the rest area, and outside of the restrooms, there was a man holding a sign that said, need gas. And Bill walked past that man, as many of us do, and he didn't think he wanted to stop and help that man out. But as he was walking, you know, God has different ways of communicating with us. The Holy Spirit communicates with us, and God communicated with Bill. This is just like the Good Samaritan walking past the need. Bill was convicted. So he opened up his wallet and he looked and there were three 20s and there were some ones. Which one do you think he went for? He pulled out the ones. And once again, God communicated and said, not the ones. So he went, all right. And he pulled out the 20. He went over to the man, gave him $20 and the man exclaimed, oh my God. And Bill said, that's the reason I came back because God God led me to give this to you. This is from God through me. And they started to have a conversation about spiritual things in their life, about who Jesus is. And after that lengthy conversation, the man made a decision to put his trust in Jesus. Incredible. And think about all the opportunities that we would walk by. And there's an opportunity for healing. It takes some courage. But if we don't listen to God, we'll keep going. But if we rely on God, then generosity flows, then healing comes. Do you know what the man ended up saying to Bill? He said, I appreciated your message more than your money. Wow, I appreciated the message of Jesus more than your money. And notice that as the man received his $20 for gas, healing in his soul, it was healing for Bill too. And it was that restoration of going back to what's life all about. And as you have courage, other people are going to be healed. They're healing. God links it to your courage. And then when they're healed, that's going to bring healing in your life as well. So let's continue to be courageous, see incredible healing. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 reminds us of this generosity. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant, but whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. The Bible's saying there's so much uncertainty, the clouds, the rain, the weather, what's going to happen? And some people just freeze with that uncertainty. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. But you can do this. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. So as God leads us, as we abide, it could be a time to share $20 with someone in need. It could be a time to share our story. It could be a time to share about Jesus. The point is, let's be generous on all levels. Let's sow seed. Let's trust God with the results. Why? Because again, healing is linked to acting courageously as God leads you and he will give you the courage too. He will give you the courage for every situation. Let's receive courage from the Lord. Courage is a good thing and our actions are ultimately not based on circumstances, but they're based on who God is, who Jesus is and what he's done, what the Bible says, God's faithfulness, God's goodness. That's why we step forward. And with courage, we want to see more healing. It's kind of ironic to think in times of a pandemic right now, this could be a time of healing. I believe that. I believe there's going to be so much healing that happens right now, even though we're in the middle of this crisis, because that's how good God is. Courage and healing are linked. Here's the second link from this passage. Courage is also linked to clarity. It takes courage to bring clarity. 
Maybe you've been in some situations, relationships, where communication is vague and there's misunderstandings and there's just not clarity. Why? Because there's no courage. If people aren't courageous, then you're not going to have that honesty. You're not going to be able to work through things. Now, look what Paul's working through as you drop down to verse 3. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, nor from you or from anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. And the clarity in this passage that we see Paul talking about in what he brings is in a context of people accusing him. They accused him that he was not authentic. That Paul, the word is, trying to trick other people. Paul says that's not the case. We don't have masks. We have no masks whatsoever. We've gotten rid of all masks and what you see, there's no front. This is us. And then they criticized him and, you know, he's selfish. No, he's come to serve. And they say, well, he just wants your money. No, he actually worked and was a tent maker and took on that job so he wouldn't be a financial burden. Well, he just comes with flattery. No, he's building people up. Have you ever had someone really in a misunderstanding, they have a misperception about your motives? It's dangerous to guess people's motives. It's common, it's popular, but I'll tell you, if you start guessing motives, you're frequently going to be off base. And people assume they knew what Paul's motives were. He knows what that feels like. If you are in the middle of that right now, uh, you can relate to this text. You've been misunderstood, and yet Paul is going to bring clarity. He's going to lay it out. Misunderstandings happen in even the best relationships. And I'll tell you, when they come, and they might be coming more right now, because you know what? We're experiencing a lot of stress right now. And because of that, there can be a lot of misunderstandings. What do you do when there's a misunderstanding? Humility and honesty. That combination, just like Jesus. If you're in the middle of a misunderstanding right now, bring humility and bring honesty. They're both needed. That's what Paul brings to this situation. And he is committed to God. Uh, going back to the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. It's chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? That's how Paul's living. That's a great time right now to commit to living this way. It brings great clarity to our lives. And as Paul does that, even when people criticize him theologically, He's going to continue to proclaim Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus, fully God, fully human. Jesus died for our sins, raised from the grave. He's going to continue to proclaim that. And then people criticize his teaching. They were picky about his teaching back then. Well, your letters are, okay, pretty good. Your teaching, eh, not really impressed with your teaching. You know what? He continues to find his identity in the Lord. He's going to bring truth. There's going to be fruit and transform lives happen. And then people are going to attack his motives. But he's going to bring transparency, vulnerability. Why? Because he's committed to God. He's committed to the gospel. And at the core, he knows that life is about being faithful to God. It's not a popularity contest. 
We're not running around trying to please, 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 please everybody. No, there's a calling. God's given him a mission. God has given you a mission. What is your life all about? What are you going for? This is a great time right now to stop and think, what am I really going for in life? It's kind of a reset. In Paul, when he'd be criticized, that was the opportunity for a reset and say, what's it all about? What am I committed to? What am I going for? And Paul would look up to the Lord and I'm going for faithfulness to Jesus right now. That's what I'm going for. And I encourage you, it might be a time for a reset. What's your life all about? What are you going for? And Paul's gonna, he's gonna be reminded and refreshed there's restoration when we have clarity on the cause that we're living for. In healing, clarity, they're linked to courage. And here's a third thing that's linked to courage. Courage is seen through compassion. Through compassion. We just read like a mother caring for her children. And I think in our home, we have four children. I love my wife, Lori. And to see her as a mom uh, doing so many different things for the kids. Here was an adventure this week. She had never made sourdough bread before with a starter from scratch. And here's a picture. This was the sourdough bread that came out after the first attempt. Now, we, we still ate it. We, we love Lori. Um, but, uh, and it was decent. It was pretty good. But you know what I saw? I saw this care in her eyes. Like, she is going to do it again. She is going to make sourdough bread again. I know there's a lot of love languages in our house. We like food. I think there's five love languages. Food could be a sixth. This is what the sourdough bread, look at that. That was the next batch of sourdough bread. Praise the Lord. And, you know, compassion helps you to keep going. When you really care about people, and you really want to serve people. And I see with Lori, you know, spending time with the kids, and there's so many things she does, whether it's, you know, signing them up for activities and rides or going to stores and getting them things. But this is where the courage, I think, really kicks in. It's the deep conversations she has with the kids. It's the time of reading the Bible with the kids. It's the time of praying with the kids. And you see where there's courage and there's compassion. You see like a mother with the children. And you see that lived out. Uh, you know what this passage is talking about. And there's compassion with courage. Here's a picture of David Chung, one of our elders. And David right now is on his way back from Cambodia. And he flew to Cambodia knowing the dangers. And he's been in Cambodia. Why? Because he has so much compassion and cares for the people in Cambodia. And I think it's interesting right now, uh, as the coronavirus is spreading, there's some people who are wisely retreating to their homes. And, and I would applaud that because safety is important. And then there's other people that God leads towards the danger. And for David to be traveling and risking as he was recently. Uh, we can applaud that too. In both, see, it's abide and respond, being faithful to God. What is he leading you to do? And it might be the very best thing to step out of harm's way. And right now, uh, quarantine. And then it also might be times, I think of the people in our church who are in the medical world, who are on the front lines, doctors, nurses, and you know, some of them will risk every day right now. They will get sick, they will recover, they go into quarantine, they will go back in. Uh, it's inspiring as I've been listening to, to different people in the medical world and what they're doing. So God leads us all, and some right now need to move into safety, and that's wise from the Lord, and others are going to risk. But when we risk, it's with a heart of compassion. It's the same compassion as God. And God's compassion is seen when I think of Luke chapter 15 in the Bible. And chapter 15 has three parables 
read that chapter this week. And I want to read from Luke 15. You see the courage and compassion of Jesus. It starts in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus was criticized often for being so compassionate. And he was criticized by the religious leaders. But the criticism didn't stop him because his compassion is greater than the criticism. And he's going to be a friend to sinners. He still is. And if you feel like you've sinned too much and you're too far away from the Lord, just listen to this parable because this is the love and compassion of Jesus. And it's courageous, it's sacrificial, and it's personal. Now, verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent." And you hear that, the love of God, it won't be stopped. Jesus is going to pursue sinners. Jesus comes to rescue. Think in your own life how God's rescued you, how he's rescuing you. And maybe God sent someone because God will send people with his love and bring that great rescue. And I want to tell you, I've seen a lot of people turn to Jesus. I've seen a lot of people rescued, transformed by Jesus. And every single time there's been joy. Don't miss the tone of Luke 15. It is a joyful thing to be rescued, to be loved, to feel the compassion of Jesus, and to receive that. That's what our hearts long for. And we see his courage, even to the cross. He was courageous with his love. And we need that same courage. There's healing. There's clarity. There's compassion. All these are linked to courage. But then I also want to highlight that real courage includes sharing your life and sharing the gospel. Real courage includes sharing your life in the gospel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Paul writes, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Two things, our lives, and that means our souls, our innermost being, and then also sharing the gospel. And when you think about the Thessalonians, there were some real parallels between their city and the greater Seattle area. Thessalonica, uh, that was a city that was a seaport. And you think of our city, a commerce everywhere. It was a hub for commerce. There was a lot of idolatry, and there's a lot of idolatry in the sound as well. And it was the largest city in the province, and Seattle's the largest city in the region. I did some research this week. I found out that their football team was actually called the Seahawks. And they had a soccer team called the Sounders. It's just weird, the parallels right here between the two cities. But as we read this, we can relate. Their environment was similar to ours in many ways. And then what was happening? Sharing of the lives, sharing of the gospel. And why do we not share more? Here's something I think this is true. It's ironic, but true. Again, paradox. What is closest to your heart is often the most difficult to share. What is closest to your heart can be the most difficult thing to share. And while we're on a food theme, I'm going to illustrate this with a couple of food pictures. Took them this week in our kitchen, and the first one, fruit and vegetables. 
Now, this food is laid out in the open. Have it. All you want. Go for it. No one has ever heard in our house, oh, you're taking my orange. You're taking my banana. That doesn't happen. So this is one fruit, one food that's out in the open. Not that close to people's hearts. (laughs) Okay, here's a second food group, and this is the chips category. Now, you still can see the chips, tortilla chips there, but a little harder to find. And notice the barbecue chips aren't in this picture because they're further back. Barbecue chips are a little closer to the heart. Those are further back, and this is a different food group. Now, let's move to the third and final food group, and this would be, look for it in the back. Can you make that out? Mint chocolate chip cookies, Girl Scout cookies. I had to take my phone, wedge it behind all this other stuff because I knew where this hiding place was and I took a picture. There's still some in there, so they're not completely gone. But these are guarded. It's close to the heart, guarded. And the irony is a lot of times what would be best to share is often the most difficult to share. The thing that is most challenging for you to share is what's going to give life to the most people and we're guarding the most what's close to our heart. And with Jesus, we see the opposite. He shares the good news. He shares his life so deeply. And we want to follow the Lord's example. So don't guard the things that are most important in life. Share them freely. Be generous. And there's a new freedom that God wants to help us and bring with courage the things that are most difficult to share. And I say there's a progression with courage that you often see in the Bible. I think I see it in David's life. This is from the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 17, 37. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. What was the context? Goliath, a bully, was in the house. And he laid out the threats. He slandered God. He stood in what he thought was victory. But you know what happened? God had been preparing David for this moment. And first there was the lion. And then there was the bear as he was a shepherd protecting the sheep. And now he's facing Goliath. You might feel like you're facing Goliath right now. But I want to tell you, God's prepared you for this moment. You've made it through lions. You've made it through bears. And now what's before you, this Goliath, God's prepared you for this time. He's built you up for this. He's going to give you courage for this. This is not a time to shrink back. This is a time to step forward. And that might include your words. That might include opening up your heart to somebody and including sharing the good news of Jesus. This world needs hope right now. We need hope around the sound. Hope, that's Jesus. You know, peace, Jesus is our peace. So we've got to share the good news and sharing our lives as well. You know, sometimes there's so many people in our lives that we just kind of, I forget to call, to reach out, to connect with people. This is pretty simple, but it helps me think through who are the people in my life that I could love, reach out to, share. And it's these areas. Who are my friends, my relatives, the acquaintances in my life, the stores I go to, uh, neighbors, coworkers, and honestly, sometimes I'll start writing down names. I'll put them on my prayer card. They're in my Bible. And then I'll just look at that, pray for people, and then I'll reach out to different people. But it helps me because I forget about people sometimes. There's a lot of people. So writing this out helps me. All right, who can I connect with? And that's intentional, but it, it's helpful. And I realize we're talking about uh, kind of a vulnerable stretch to share. Uh, when's the last time you've been vulnerable recently with your faith, your story, 
Uh, this week, going on Facebook Live for me, I feel vulnerable doing that. I'll be honest, it's a stretch. I'm praying before that. And then I took an extra step to put it on my Facebook page where that goes out to so many people. And they're people I've known for decades. A lot of people in that group don't follow Jesus. And I realize I'm putting out some faith content. And I'm just honored that they would even consider it. But I feel that risk inside. And that feeling inside is what, what comes when you share, you get vulnerable, you put something out there that's close to your heart. But don't let that feeling stop you from connecting with the people around you and sharing what's most important and sharing your story as well. Uh, Jesus told the parable of the talents. One had five, one had two, and one had one. And you know, five, five more, two, two more, the one buried. And we don't want to bury the gospel. We, we don't want to, Jesus says, don't take your light and then just hide it under a bowl. Uh, listen, if the gospel wasn't true, we should be silent. If Jesus is still in the grave, we should be quiet. If he's not that good, we shouldn't be talking. If he doesn't promise eternal life, then you know what? Just keep faith to yourself. Don't ever mention it because there's nothing there. It's an illusion. It's fake. It's wrong. It's deceiving. If, if that's the case, that Jesus didn't overcome death, then be quiet. Be quiet. Don't say anything. But if he did, and he did, but if he did, and he's changed our lives, and he's alive today, and he's the hope of the world, and the desire of the nations, and he's coming back and reign forever as King of kings and Lord of lords, and his love is too good to contain. It's too good to keep to ourselves in a time like this. And Paul says, because you're so dear to us, I just, I couldn't. I couldn't stay shallow. I had to open up my life. I had to share my story. And I had to share with you about Jesus because I love you so much. And Paul writes that. And that takes courage to do that. It's often been said, to reach people that no one's reaching, you've got to do what no one's doing. And God's going to place you in situations, in relationships where no one else is there, but he's brought you there. And to reach people that no one's reaching, You've got to go to places where no one's going. You've got to say things that no one's saying. And it takes courage. It takes courage. But it's good. And a lot of what's happening right now is digital, which is really secondary because we always want, prefer to be in person. But digitally, I want to just start to wrap up with this uh, encouragement through a digital conversation. Maybe this will stir some creativity. We have lots of international partners around the world through our church and uh, Jemaine and Ashley Latvala uh, connecting through a digital ministry. And maybe this will give you some ideas. There was a man named John who was battling through cancer for four years, and it looked dismal. The doctors were giving up hope. John gave up hope, and his family was uh, just you know, distraught because wrapping up the treatment, it just looked like this was going to be the end of his life. But someone who follows Jesus spoke up and said, John, why don't you pray? And John really didn't have any other options. And so in the waiting room, he would just start to pray before his treatment. And the treatment's finished, and John those prayers, those prayers, simple prayers, asking Jesus for help, asking God for help, just a simple prayer in the waiting room. Well, God miraculously healed John, miraculously healed John. His cancer is gone. And then uh, this is what John writes, and I'm going to read you some of the dialogue. John says, I've never been a man of faith, but I believe that those short prayers at the cancer center saved my life. Why did God save my life? That's the question he's asking and then digitally, Jamin responds, the number one reason God saved you physically is because God wants to save you spiritually. He loves you so much. He saved you momentarily 
to save you eternally. That's the words of hope, the words of truth that Jamin brought. John said, I have not had the opportunity to have someone share with me what it means to know God personally. I also don't really know how a person becomes a Christian. I've never attended church. And Jamin shared about a relationship with Jesus that's by grace. You can't earn it. And it's a relationship that you say, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus. He died for our sins. He's risen. And as John took all of that in, John made a decision to say yes to the Lord and follow Jesus. And then this is his story. John adds in this conversation, digital conversation, I was a lost soul going through cancer treatment. And if God hadn't saved me, I would have been lost forever. This will sound odd coming from a guy with degrees in psychology, AI, radiology, and a PhD in neuroscience, but I would gladly give back all those degrees to know God just 1% more. That is the truth right there. Paul says, I consider everything rubbish that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the closeness with Jesus, even in his sufferings, to know Christ more. It's so clear what life is about. It's not the degrees. And now John's saying that. Jamin said, there's a second reason God saved you physically, not just so you'd have spiritual life and be in his family forever, but so you'd reach other people. You know what John said? I want to share my story with as many people as possible. And John is learning. He's sharing his story. He just shared it with us right now. And he says, this is what I'm learning. Instead of waiting to the end of the day and then just kind of bringing to God whatever's left at the end of the day, I'm learning to wake up at the beginning of the day and just start with God and start with God's work. I thought, that's a good word. That's a man with a new courage, a new hope. There's been healing on many levels. As, as we wrap up right now, I want to show a picture of a Chinese character. And uh, two characters together. The one word is crisis. And the two characters, I'm not fluent in Chinese, but I was taught this. And I think this will preach. Uh, these two characters of the same word crisis, one's danger, the other one's opportunity. They go together, don't they? Danger and opportunity. We know of the dangers right now, but I want to highlight that this might be your greatest opportunity to share your story, to help people in need, and even to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus will give you courage today, calmness, compassion. This courage is linked to healing. When you act in courage, there's going to be healing in your life and the people around you. There's going to be clarity in the words you speak. There's going to be a new compassion that's linked to this courage. And ultimately, this courage will lead to you sharing your story, your life, and the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's prepare to pray together right now as the praise band comes up. Uh, what's the next step for you with Jesus? Is it to put your trust in Jesus? Is it baptism? Is it to share your faith? What is it? I want to pray right now for that next step. Father God, thank you for loving us, guiding us, being so personal with us. And Jesus, we praise you as the King of Kings. God, I pray for a next step right now as we worship you. We would take a next step. What do you want us to do right now, God? Is it bring groceries to a neighbor? Is it to spend more time in your word? Is it to share our story? To reach someone online? To make a phone call? God, what is the next step? We're listening. We ask for your courage. We ask for calmness in this crisis. We ask for a greater compassion. And we commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen.